welcome to episode 12 of Sequel Pitch, in which three friends pitch their sequels to movies that don't have them. I'm your host this week, and joining me ever, as ever, is a man that looks like Arnie in Speedos. It's Matt Rushton. <laughs> Damn, that is a compliment. Well, I, last time I hosted, I called you a murderer, so I thought I'd make up for it this time. Redemption. Yeah. I like it. And with him is a man that just wants to cut down trees and feed deers. It's Drew Toynbee. <laughs> I do. I do, though. That would be great. Yeah. And eat ice cream. Eat the same flavoured ice cream as my daughter, but then insist that I try some of hers instead. Yeah. <laughs> and last but no means least, a man that can pull off a chainmail vest better than Bennett, it's Andy Henry. <laughs> Not his moustache, though. <laughs> no. That was... That was beautiful. Hello. So this week, our pitchers have been told to write a sequel for the 1985 action classic Commando. Now, in case you haven't seen it, we do a 60 second synopsis. So here we go. Retired Special Forces Colonel John Matrix is living out in the wilderness, cutting down trees, feeding deer, and sharing the same flavoured ice cream with his daughter. And then he is informed by his former superior, Major General Kirby, that all other members of his former unit have been killed by unknown mercenaries. Bennett, an Australian ex-member of Matrix's team, discharged for excessive violence, is not in fact dead, and attacks Matrix's secluded mountain home and kidnaps his young daughter, Chenny. Matrix is overpowered and is taken before the puppet master, Arius, a South American former dictator, Matrix removed from power. Arius blackmails Matrix into carrying out a political assassination in his home country of Valverde, where Arius wishes to lead a military coup. With Jenny's life on the line, Matrix reluctantly accepts. After boarding a plane to Valverde, Matrix managed to kill his guard and jump from the plane just as it's taking off with approximately 11 hours before the plane is scheduled to land he sets off after another of Aris's men Sully he enlists the aid of an off-duty flight attendant Cindy and instructs her to follow Sully to a shopping mall pull um pulling oh yeah sorry I'm trying to read my notes uh Sully to a shopping mall Cindy first assumes that Matrix is a madman, but after she sees Sully pull a gun on Matrix in the ensuing fight, she decides to assist him for some random reason. <laughs> after a lengthy car chase, Matrix catches up with Sully and drops him off the cliff to, to his death. Taking a motel key from Sully's jacket, Matrix tracks down and confronts Cook, a former Green Beret in Arius's employment, who eats Green Berets for breakfast. He impales Cook on a table leg, and after a lengthy fight, um, they learn where Jenny... Uh, after, sorry. He impales Cook on a table leg after a lengthy fight and learns where Jenny is being held. Matrix breaks into a gun shop, but is immediately arrested by the police. Cindy helps him escape by using a rocket launcher on the police car. And after commandeering a seaplane, Matrix and Cindy fly to uh, Aureus's island hideout. <laughs> Uh, Matrix instructs Cindy to contact General Kirby and uh, then proceeds to Arius's villa, killing Arius and his army of 74 
apparently. Um, Jenny escapes the villa basement but is captured by Bennett. Matrix tracks them down and after a lengthy fight, he finally kills Bennett by impaling him with a steam pipe. Kirby arrives with the military detachment as asked and Matrix uh, and asks Matrix to rejoin the unit, but Matrix declines and departs the island aboard a seaplane with Chenny and Cindy. End of the movie. That was quite a long one, but I feel that you have to I have to pad that movie out because otherwise it would just be he just goes on a rampage. Um, I yeah, I was going to say when I when I explained this film to my wife, it took me about twenty seconds. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I commend, commendable amount of detail, and that's the fact is you gave pretty much every significant beat of the entire film, and that did still only take you. Like two and a half minutes. <laughs> yeah. So it's really impressive what do we think? Wikipedia. I mean Ross. Sorry. <laughs> Ross. Hey, I got that <laughs> off a reputable source <laughs> of the internet. <laughs> so what do we think, boys? I mean, it's uh, uh, we so <laughs> listeners, we've um there there has been heated discussion around this movie <laughs> um in the WhatsApp in the lead up to this recording session. Um, there's a relatively well actually no i don't know that any of us know where andy falls on this but there's me and matt on one side which is <laughs> us saying this movie has not aged well and then there's ross who is who is a stalwart fan so actually can we hear from andy to see yeah. if we've got a split vote andy let's uh hear from you first to see what you thought of the movie do not be on the fence <laughs> don't be that guy <laughs> <laughs> you're, so you're asking for my my just my, my impression yeah what so. did you think did okay. you think of it as a as a as a, a a good movie did you think of it as a classic movie or did you think that this is a rubbish movie it's fine yes it hasn't aged well but it's still enjoyable like very enjoyable at parts um which is just another way of saying i'm on the fence <laughs> but um no yeah it's de- there's, there's, there's definitely parts that haven't aged well in it um, we, I mean, like, do we want to tell the listeners about the, the whole classic conversation we've had? Or so I, we, we were tr- like, I, we had a massive discussion about what is a classic movie. I am on the, I am on the side that says this for me and I is a classic movie. Um, when we do these reviews, we have to, we have to say that it's all our own opinions. Um, it's my opinion that this is a great movie, uh, but I have to respect the fact that Matt and Drew don't like this movie, which, you know, it's, it's a struggle because I am so stubborn uh, when it comes to... When we're, it comes all, to... we're all stubborn. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like one day we should just release the WhatsApp chat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hashtag I... release the WhatsApp chat. Uh, yeah. I think... I think it's a classic movie for what it is, which is a ridiculous one-man army, ri- ridiculous, ridiculous, ridiculous film. It's pretty ridiculous. Um, yeah, sure. It's it's for me. It's a classic action film. Now, me and Matt were having a debate today about what is a classic movie, and and we were going backwards and forwards. And I guess. Um, it's one it's a we kind of both like well matt mainly but like it's one of those films that 
are that stands the test of time and like yeah there are some of like drew <laughs> no oh, you're just hard, putting words out there now no, no, i don't you, think this stands the test of time i at thought all. you said that in no, the in the thing i think i said classic movies need to stand the test of time oh, okay this oh, one doesn't yeah. stand the test of time for my yeah. opinion yeah yeah no that's what i'm saying i'm not saying that you think that this does stand oh, no, the test probably. of time oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 i'm saying that you think that a classic movie is supposed to te- stand the test of time before before we debate it so what did we both like so andy you know andy's I, on the I, fence. yeah andy's on the fence but what about you drew let's go with you first what did you think so i watching this in 2021 particularly in the context of james bond ring being rebooted as casino royale the modern mission impossible movies John Wick in particular, taken perhaps, but for like straightforward action cinema, John Wick is where it's at at the moment. And when you, if you stand this film up next to John Wick, objectively thinking about the editing, thinking about the quality of the onset sound recording, um, thinking about gen like some of the plot holes some of the acting it does not stand up for me and i i and i'm saying this as someone who watched this when i was 15 and thought it was the bee's knees because arnie was just the best kind of half ironically but also half not ironically and so yeah there's there is some there's some iconic moments like some of arnie's best one-liners are in this film some of arnie's most iconic moments mm-hmm. definitely and a cu- and some of the one-liners are genuinely funny but there is so much 1980s nonsense just utter tosh <laughs> and the fact is that the final end fight where arnie is just running around in a vest standing in the open hip firing an m60 at 70 dudes <laughs> who are running across a lawn in the open no one's taking cover like these guys are all firing from the hip spraying wildly from side to side and arnie's just stood there in the open just begging to be hip shot. firing as well as a, as and hip firing is very hard to aim i guess so yeah you know. exactly it's like I think it all comes from ultimately hip firing in Hollywood. People decided that looks cool because of, as I understand it, and this is from an article that I read like a few years ago. I cannot, re- I can't do a, a Harvard reference for this source, so I could be wrong. But someone hypothesized that it was cowboy films and quick draw firing from the hip in duels. And so people were like, oh yeah, it's coolest when people fire from the hip. So people started firing machine guns like that, like they're spraying a hose from their crotch. When actually, for me aesthetically, someone being tactical and taking cover and aiming and shooting looks cooler. And so this all just looks inherently ridiculous to me. Yeah, Matt. Yeah, go for it, Matt. What um, did you think? I am assuming you're going to agree with Drew. In in some ways, yeah. I also think yeah. we were we might as well reference in talking about hip firing something that I remember from my film studies class way back when, um, <laughs> is that you've got to think that there's symbolism involved with the male figure and essentially guns <laughs> representing penises, and a lot of them you'll see them where they're silhouetted, 
where quite often they actually they take a silhouetted form and it's all theoretically part of Hollywood's uh, what I'd call toxic masculinity but um, all part of that symbolism of godlike men and stature so an M60 up against a pistol or you know a submachine gun or something it's always going to have this big bigger is better syndrome i will say that we don't really even need the symbolism of his uh of him holding the m16 or whatever the thing we've is called. seen him in his you, speedos you see him in his yeah. speedos so you you pretty much see everything rather than he goes there he's traveling there in a plane in his clothes he gets in his speedos then changes on the beach yeah and then he has he to gets... run about five miles as well to get to the compound anyway yeah the fact that he that he climbs out of a plane strips down <laughs> rows to an open beach and spends like 20 minutes kitting up in the open rather than getting ready on the plane and it's not like he was like oh i'd better i'd better not get changed in the plane in case the female pilot sees my sees my naked form because he just strips off and gets in the boat directly in front of her and yeah. is just sat there in his tighty whities <laughs> Anyway, Just Matt, yeah, have a go chat. for it. What were you going to say? I mean, this all feeds into my point is that it is, for me, I feel like 80s action movies came with an air of cheese factor to them. You know, the Schwarzenegger films, Rambo, stuff like that. You know, they were high intensity action, one man versus the world, see how many death count you can rake up type movies, but laced with cheesy one-liners and... Yeah. and over-the-top stunts and effects at times, things that kind of detracted from the movie for me, I'd say, but I can see exactly why in the 80s when you've got that competitive spirit between um, Stallone and Schwarzenegger and the movies copying suit in some ways, they were getting bigger and more over-the-top. And for that, you kind of take it for its own enjoyment. If you stop watching it, in the eyes of someone in 2021 with the likes of John Wick out there. It's like it's a bearable movie. It's not unbearable. <laughs> I did find myself enjoying it at times, but watching um, it with the context of what is out there now, as yeah. Drew has said, the action movies, the, you know, technology is advanced. And if you made Commando now with the equipment available, I'm sure it'd be way more dramatic, way more action-packed, probably less satirical funny in that sense that it's kind of like you know what you're going to expect talking about the sort of body count and stuff did you know that um i think somebody had seen uh, rambo first blood part two and then they wanted the movie commando to have even more death uh, in uh, well in the final scene so that's why there's so many and that's why there's i think 74 I'm sure um, it's just so people good. competing, it feels it just, like. It's planet Hollywood yeah. competing yeah. with itself. <laughs> yeah. Right, so, right, here's here's my question, because I'm genuinely not sure. Mm-hmm. So, the the quips, and there are some good... There, there are some fun one-liners in this. Do you guys think, when this film was made, the quips after... That let off some steam... Do you think that was written and written and shot intended to be ha ha funny or that guy's badass and 
no. he's badass because he made a joke. That's my question. It's it's a hard one, isn't it? It's a hard one to realise because on the one hand, like that's what Arnie is, isn't it? Like everyone uh, since that has has you know catered scripts for him yeah. with one-liners, and even this one, um, Stephen De Sosa, who also wrote Die Hard, uh, did. Um, catered this script for um, for Schwarzenegger because originally it was supposed to be about um, I think it was supposed to be about a an, oh, where is it? It was definitely going to be someone older in there. Yeah, here we, yeah, it was, I've got it here. Uh, it was which it was about an Israeli soldier who turned back uh, his back on violence, but was forced out of retirement when his wife and daughter were kidnapped. Um, obviously they totally changed that like to and they they changed that i think they wanted it to be because i don't know what movies came before this with arnie i think it was conan and terminator wasn't it um i'm not sure about running man or anything um but i think they they whoever i think the movies before um this they knew what they were getting into and they know that like, oh, we'll give him a kooky one-liner. I don't know. What do you guys think? What do you think, Matt? I, you know, I think every... You can look back to Bond in the 60s and 70s, well, you know. they've Anything with, I think, high levels of death and essentially assassination and murder in it, that the comic one-liners almost come as a way to trivialise death. And a way to almost take detract from the impact of what you've just watched in the sense that's, that that's especially the scene where he's slaughtering him on the fields and whatnot. Then yeah, he sticks in with a steam pipe and he's like let off steam as steam is billowing out of the cavity in his chest. Now it's you know I think <laughs> which he throws at such a force that it sticks oh. it goes through him <laughs> and through a dude yeah, into a boiler. <laughs> Um, yeah. But yeah, it was the Bond thing that I was building off of because, I mean, yeah, by by 85, we've had Roger Moore for quite a while at this point. And so where the one-liners have become for the laugh. Mm -hmm. But when you look at Connery's Bond and the way that, I mean, well, yeah, when you look at Connery's Bond, the one-liners are definitely meant to be, damn, that guy's cool not look how funny it is and so mm. that kind of cut it because to me i think i think this may have helped my view of the film honestly because i was viewing it like someone ripping off connery's bond in that they were saying these lines because look how cool they are but ross you are entirely right i would argue that actually this is the film that set arnie up as the funny one-liner dude yeah because you had before this the the Terminator he wasn't really he no. wasn't charismatic and you had Conan but he punches in, a camel in Conan he he is... does punch a camel but it's <laughs> not a, yep. it's not a quip no but yeah, um, yeah. but <laughs> even so like it was built I I'm I think I maybe I'm being a bit too hard it for me it felt like the film was taking itself really seriously where it felt inherently ridiculous like I. I still maintain that if someone shot, reshot this movie, shot for shot, performance for performance, <laughs> and and did it, if if this movie had been kept 
on ice and never released and came out now, it would be seen as a comedy, uh, like as a parody of 80s action movies. I think you're on. Yeah, you're you're right about something there. Like, um, I think you have to look at the movies that came out before that, not just Arnie as well. Like Matt was saying, like in the 80s of that era, you've got Rambo and and I think they were trying to do what Ram- they wanted to, to compete with Rambo maybe uh, you know it's not competing because it's not like but do you know what I mean like they wanted to they wanted Arnie to be Rambo the next yeah. Rambo and so that's maybe I mean I haven't seen Rambo like I've seen bits of it but I, I assume does he do quips I guess maybe well I mean First Blood is like a harrowing one man Vietnam v- Vietnam vet who's mm. like got major PTSD being yeah. hunted down by cops in the woods it's it's grip like first blood part two gets a bit more it gets more over the top yeah but i it it i've not watched it for a long time but to me i don't remember it being quippy mm. um, uh andy but yeah what um what do you think about all these views about uh what we've said do you do you agree do you disagree well i did uh when i was Reading up on it, I read that, yeah, there was a script before, and then uh, Joe Silver. It's Silver, isn't it, the producer? Joe Silver? Joel Silver. Joel Silver, yeah. (laughs) Him him and Arnie came on at the same time and then um, changed the script uh, uh, tonally, mainly. Um, And, I mean... These, these one line you, if you took out the one liners it wouldn't really like change the film apart from obviously being like funny and stuff so i think yeah it, like they knew what they were doing they were trying to go for comedy and stuff cuz you know when he knocks out that guy on the plane he says don't wake up my friend he's dead tired you don't need to say that could have just left him kind of with the illusion that he's sleeping um so yeah no i think they were i think they knew what they were, what they were doing yeah and i and i think <sighs> The thing that I struggle with, so, like, let's get on, we'll talk quickly about, like, it being a classic and stuff. Like, uh, the problem that I have with with looking at films now to uh, versus to back then is you're always going to be constantly disappointed. Do you know what I mean? Like, if I, put the, if I put this up against John Wick, there is no way that there they're comparable do you know what i mean because john wick has got such a style and like like matt says like ev- like we all agreed that like times move on and you know people become more adventurous with cinematography etc etc whereas back then this 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 probably excited a load of people they were like oh yeah we want to see like loads of people die on screen or whatever <laughs> do you know what i mean so it was probably yeah. a massive hit. I think for me, the whole the whole classic thing is: do people still reference it in modern day? Like, um, are there showings of it, like in in London, like at the cinema? And do people? And I I get that there are awful films that people are fans of, regardless, like Justice League, Joss Whedon, that we talked about. <laughs> so it is hard. It is hard to like just whether it's a classic or not and i guess it's up to you and i i guess also going on what matt is confused about is like we're not confused about but like what matt was saying is who who decides that these movies are classics i guess you don't really know like it that's the core of it yeah, i think there's ultimately 
that there is no there is no one single defined way of describing what a classic is and ev- everyone this i think this is this was a big part of the issue and why we got so heated with it because yeah what is a classic for some people will not be for other people mm. um in itself I, what, it's what, an opinion, what were you gonna s- yeah so what do you do you agree with that statement about uh if you look back at films then you and compare them or do you uh, not agree i no. i I, d- I don't I, yeah. I do to it I do to a degree yeah um, there there are there will definitely be things that could have been improved yeah um like sound quality or just picture quality sometimes and that's that or will not having happen but not those having, aren't like... those aren't the main issues that I have with this I can still go back and watch Jaws yeah and still be scared by that film despite the fact that the shark looks like a giant, soggy, half-inflated condom that kind of goes and and looks terrible. But that film is masterful, and yeah. that whilst I've I've never been on the hype train with it, The Godfather is still wonderful. Like yeah. I've I Citizen Kane. There are <laughs> auteurs out there that at that time created yeah. like cinematography. Yeah, I get what you mean. And th- yeah, there are films some some films will always age better than that but you've also got those films aren't like action films and jaws uh, there's the jaws is maybe a bad example because there's the whole thing where if they did that with modern technology then you'd see the shark through the whole thing and then it wouldn't be as scary yeah so maybe that's not the best way of looking at it but with action movies in specific you are again you have a point in that for a straight thriller that just involves people like looking moody in the shadows and doing detective noir work. Modern techniques aren't going to change a film that much. Yeah. Whereas stunt performing and pyrotechnics and onset special effects and computer generated special effects have come on in such a way that action films in specific ha- do have perhaps more of an advantage than just a straight drama film would. Yeah. Here's a, here's a question for you, Andy. Uh, well, and and we're gonna move over to Matt as well, and then we'll probably we should probably rate it. Yeah, we really um, should. <laughs> do you agree? There was a there was a statement that Mar- Martin Scorsese made re- um, recently about the Marvel franchises. Uh, he bad mouthed them as as not real cinema. Um, do you do you like? Because obviously he's made some amazing films. And I see sort of a parallel in this, in this, in this, do you know what I mean? With Commando, and then you've got like, you know, Taxi Driver. Do you, do you agree with that? Do you think that like with, with these films like Commando, you can't, like they are just like throwaway films? It's hard to tell because a lot of these throwaway films actually do have a legacy. Like you could say that about like The Room, you know. Yeah. It didn't actually change anything, but it kind of did in the end. It's a movie if it's a story, basically, for me. Yeah. So all the Marvel, all the Marvels are stories. This is a story and stuff. So, yeah. What about you, Matt? Yeah, I think, obviously, with the comment about Marvel is that because that is so genre-defining, like, it, the Mar- what Marvel have done has completely changed cinema forever in a lot of ways. So I can understand yeah. someone, a traditionalist like Scorsese, not seeing it as a positive thing because... 
it essentially changes what cinema is. Um, in terms of this movie, I think Andy touches on something that all four of us can sit here and say that as fans of movies and movie fanatics, what we look for is story, narrative, character development, all of that stuff. And for me, any movie that delivers that, which I would argue that Commando does in some ways, you know, it has a very clear beginning, middle and end. Um, there's a little bit of character development, believe it or not, for Arnie in it all. Um, you know, it's it is. I I deem it Wait, as a movie. No, I, there isn't. I mean, give him a chance. He goes from saying I'm not I'm not going to help the military to to going. Okay, I have no choice to help to get involved, or my daughter will die. And then ends the movie going. He nope, still not going to help the military. The guy. He could have assassinated the guy. That, he he that would and that do. would have been character growth. No, that no, would no. Have been he, against it. he was like, "No, I'm going to use the tactics that I have." He, he had to make yeah, a moral he, decision, he, and he, he fought, decided to kill he the bad guys. He fought to maintain the status quo. As <laughs> why am I defending this film, Ross? What <laughs> are you going to do? Sorry, I should. Yeah, really it's good. It. Right, <laughs> right. Um, let's. I think. Go on. Do you want to go on, Matt? Do you want to finish? I just want to finish on touching it with the whole classic conversation. In that, you know, I think. What, whilst I might not deem this a classic in terms of genre defining, you know, Predator, Alien, other movies that came out in the 70s and 80s that I would not change a thing about. For me, yeah. those movies don't need to be touched and rehashed and whatnot. They have been, but they didn't need it. Um, I would say that Commando less so had that air of, I wouldn't change things about this. There are things like, oh... You know, that could have been better. And that's partly why I'm sat and going, it's not a classic. I can see it being a classic action movie, but I can't yeah. necessarily sit here and say it's classic cinema because yeah. it doesn't okay. quite have that mm. same weight for me. Cool. I think we've talked about the film uh, <laughs> enough. So we a have a mixed, mixed view. I, yeah, I know. Um, it's good. It's good. It's sometimes you like... It's a... It's a good film to have a discussion about, isn't it? Good, clearly, it's a divisive film in mm. that sense. So let's go with scores. Uh, Andy, let's go with you first. Um, what would you give it out of five? Um, so I did enjoy this movie. Um, I don't think it's the best Arnie movie out there. Uh, I'm going to give it a three. Uh, bulging biceps, I guess. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I don't think it's a classic because I don't think it really kind of made a, a massive impact on cinema or, or you know, you know, it's not referenced enough or anything like that. But um, it was still fine. It was still fine. But again, I, I mean, like the whole time, basically, I was kind of a bit like, oh, I was kind of hoping, you know, I want, I'd be wanting to watch Predator, actually. Like, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Nice. Uh, Drew, what would you give it out of five? So I, I'd just like to say I, I completely agree with Matt in that it, it all comes down to the semantics. And this is undoubtedly uh, an Arnold Schwarzenegger classic. There's no question about that. And it is a progenitor of the like massive 80s, big, muscly action man action movies. Yeah. And so... I, 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 I do have a lot of respect for where it came from and the effect that it will have had on the industry and all of that kind of stuff. I struggle because it, it, it did not live up to the fun that I remembered having with it as a, as a teenager. 
and there is some flat out just bad stuff in this film but there are there are there are some enjoyable bits there's there's a really good one-liner um with cindy looking at the plane and going this isn't a plane it's a it's a canoe with wings and arnie goes well get in and start paddling <laughs> and like i properly laughed that was it that's a good line there are there are one or two really like genuinely good stunts the fact that Cindy, after Arnie kidnaps her, does go to the police and is like, holy shit, a crazy dude has kidnapped me. I was yeah. like, oh, well, wh- why wouldn't you go to the police? And then she immediately walks straight up to a policeman and was like, help me. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow, this movie called my bluff hard. <laughs> I, ultimately, I'm giving it I'm giving it three blatantly fake dummies on <laughs> poles in front of exploding buildings out of five. Uh, because don't fall over. Yeah, that don't even fall over when there's an enormous explosion behind them, because it is. If if you you there is definitely something to appreciate as a kind of eighties curio and the synth steel drum and saxophone soundtrack. <laughs> like pretty much it, the whole movie. Yeah. Yeah. If, if there is a lot of fun, definitely to be had from watching this, either ironically or as a fan of classic action. Um. So yeah. Uh, three. three. Nice. Three out of five for Drew. And Matt, go on, what's yours? Okay, I'm going to take it purely on the fact that this is my first time watching it. Um, I enjoyed some of it, and I didn't enjoy some of it. And seeing as Andy was allowed to sit on the fence earlier with his opinion, I'm going to sit on the fence with my score and give it two and a half seconds of repetitive oozy into the stomach of the dead man on his porch, well, on his <laughs> driveway, uh, giving it 2.5 seconds nice. out of 5. 2.5. I am going to give it 4 out of 5. Um, I think this, for me, is a classic action movie. Um, I believe it's one of, one of Arnie's... You know, it's not the best. It's not the most memorable, but it's up there with some of the best lines, and it's ridiculous. If you go into this and you just want to watch people doing stupid macho things for no reason, um, then this is the movie for you. If you want some, <laughs> if you want to see seventy-four soldiers being shot in various angles, all with squibs, and them jumping off of ramps, and the ramps not being removed from the shot, then this movie <laughs> is for you. Um, I'm going to give it... Oh, I didn't give it a thing out. Four, I'm going to give it four Sully's... Out of Sully's killing him last out of five. That was rubbish. That was rubbish. Uh, so, yeah, so there we have it. Uh, what does that give us, Drew, as our overall score for Commando? Um, that gives us an overall score of 3.13. 3.13. Is that classifies a recommendation? Yes, it is. Just, Just a yes. recommendation yeah. from us. All right. So, I think it's time to get your sequels pitched. All right everyone. So you have a you have like we've we've now narrowed it down to you've got about a page, a page of a sequel to write. Um so I'm going to go with uh let's go with Andy first because he was the first on my list. Um what is your um what is your movie called? Oh, mine is called Commando. 
two. Ah, good. Your time starts now. We open with a similar scene to the original with John Matrix entering the film holding a chainsaw in one hand and a tree over his shoulder. He starts to chop wood and as he splits the last log he grabs his shoulder in pain. We see a scar from the bullet wound he got at the end of the first film. Just then the tone shifts as we realise the indestructible man we once knew now has a chink in his armour. We see more scenes from the first film but this time he's alone. He even tries to feed a deer but it runs away from him. (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. Oscar, be- best picture winner, Commando 2. <laughs> 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 back this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Inside the house, John sees the military hi- helicopter uh, approaching, dangerously approaching again, uh, and walks out of the. A- <laughs> it fucking came so close. To the <laughs> yeah, Sorry. it does. Inside the house, John sees a military helicopter approach and walks outside to meet it. As he leaves the house, we see a picture of a grown-up Jenny in a military outfit. The general tells John that his daughter's army troop went out to stop a terrorist cell in Russia, but they've been kidnapped and are now hostages. We, we have exposition about how Jenny joined the army to follow in her father's footsteps to make him proud, and how his daughter was one of the hostages shot on live TV. John blames himself for her death, but asks why should he uh, go risk the lives... Uh, John blames himself for her death and asks why he should go risk his life to save people he doesn't know. The general convinces John that, that the surviving hostages were Jenny's friends and that she would want him to help. When he gets to Russia, he follows the lead into a bar where he overhears chatter about a a terrorist plot. Someone notices John eavesdropping, and he has to fight his way out of the bar and run after the lead. John enters a hideout, and he sees more clues about the terrorist attack when he is suddenly attacked by a hooded figure. The pair fight, and the figure gets the better of John after finding out about his bad shoulder. John manages to create a distraction and flee. He's got the clues he's needed, and he needs to head to Brazil to stop a terrorist who's planning to attack five points in America on the same day at the same time. When he gets into Brazil's airspace, another plane fires at his plane and he has to parachute to safety. The other plane drops goons and we have an air fight. John kills everyone before touching the ground. John heads to the location he memorised and looks for a guy with a detonator, Carl Weston, a millionaire gun smuggler. As John searches, he runs into the hooded figure again. They fight and John rips off the hook and hood to reveal his daughter. He's stunned and his daughter pins John and almost kills him. But John says, Jenny, it's me. And he, uh, but she doesn't seem to notice. John breaks free but can't bear to hit his daughter. So he tries to break her out of her brainwashing with love. He starts to tell her memories and at one point it looks like it might have broken through. Jenny lowers her fist and that's when John knocks out his daughter. When Jenny comes to, she's tied to a chair, but John is convinced she's back to normal, so unties her. We learn that she and the troop of soldiers who supposedly died had actually been brainwashed and sent off to different terrorist groups, and the footage shown of the killings on TV was fake. Jenny tells John she knows where Carl Weston will be at a certain time, but it's not going to be easy getting to him. Weston is having a big party at one of his many mansions tonight, and the plan is to corner him when he gets alone and stop and get him to stop the attack. Jenny says that Weston has never actually seen her face, so they send her to try and seduce him in hopes that he takes her to his bedroom. Obviously, John is against this, but agrees reluctantly. At the party, the plan goes wrong somehow, and we have a massive fight uh, where the two take on a ridiculous number of goons. Being a gun smuggler's house, they're never short of weapons. John and Jenny often work together, punching someone back and forth before both shooting them. Carl Weston appears and takes Jenny hostage. John has to fight his way through a room of people to get to Carl, who aims the gun at John and makes him slide his gun over to him on the floor. Jenny pushes and manages to unbalance Carl, but he fires and John grabs his shoulder. John knocks out Jenny and walks over to John. After a quick pun, we see John was faking being shot and we hear a gunshot and we turn around to see Jenny holding John's smoking gun. John then punches Carl through a window, landing on a car. We end, on, we end with John and Jenny walking out the house and Jenny asking if she can move back home with John. John replies, I'll have to think about it. They laugh and roll the credits. 
Very nice. Very nice indeed. Okay, I've got some questions for you, Andy. Um, why do they go to Brazil if the five key air, uh, key points of the attack are in America? Because that's where Carl Weston is in Brazil, and they've got to get him. Is he the one that has got the... Detonator, yeah. So he's he's doing it remotely from Brazil. Uh, yes. Which leads me on to the other question. What happens about the other targets? So is he is he is he controlling all the targets or is he? Yeah, he's he's got he's got one detonator for the, for the five targets. Oh, okay, all right. Um, okay. Do you think that the beginning of the movie has too many similarities to the first movie? Like the beginning, literally, like uh, half of the movie. Well, the, the opening. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the that's the point. Good. No, I'm just checking, just checking if that <laughs> yeah. was just checking if um It's a show he's basically the same person, but now he's now he's got like a chink in his armor. Yeah. So that's fine. How do you see Matrix? How do you like see the character Matrix in this movie? Like what do you think? Um tell me about Matrix in this movie. I'd say he's just gruff um Gruffled? Is that a word? It's, it's, it's <laughs> he's not what it is now. It's going to be great. He's, 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 he's gruffled, he's grizzled. <laughs> grizzled would probably be a, be a better way of describing it. Um, he's upset, obviously, because his daughter's dead. Um, are you doing uh, any de aging or anything, or you just would you have no? Him it's going to be it's going to be Arnie. Arnie is it's going to be seven. Arnie as it is now. Probably, you know, maybe yeah. grey his hair up a little bit and stuff. But um, yeah, don't, we don't need anything. I else. mean, he's seventy four now. I'd like. I don't think you need to grey him up. Yeah, he, he looks pretty. he looks seventy four. <laughs> He's built, but he looks yeah. seventy four. Um, can you tell me who attacks the plane in the air 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 fight? You said the another plane comes, and they're who are they, and why are they attacking the plane? Uh, they're Carl Weston's men because they know he's there. So they already know he's there. <laughs> With a shifty little bit of side eye yep. as you say that, it's <laughs> good. I don't mind. I'm yep. just, I'm just p picking out points of the movie that I didn't really understand. Okay, so it's Carl really Weston's men for Commando. I feel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Carl Weston, who is Carl Weston? Just a uh, uh, gun smuggler, and he owns this a big time gun smuggler. Is he? Is he the responsible for brainwashing? Uh, the daughter, or is it not related? Yeah, he's responsible. No, yeah, yeah, no, it's all related. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, thank you, Andy. <laughs> and this is, I love those. So much the, confidence, the, just like yeah, yeah, they're all related. Obviously, yeah, yeah. God, Ross. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Duh. Yeah, they're all related. <laughs> it's basically Andy just going, yeah, yeah. Why not? Yeah, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> thinking, uh, thinking okay. on the fly there, Andy. I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah. I just want to make a classic 80s movie. I'm going to have get Stallone in to direct it, get his Expendables, like, cast in. <laughs> That'd be great. Nice. All right. Well, uh, Matt, let's go with you next. Okay. Uh, what is your sequel for Commando called? My sequel is called Command-Don't. <laughs> I thought that was an ir I thought that was a, a joke title, and then you were going to actually tell me the title in this record, but you didn't. Nope. Okay, wow. that is my title. 
you don't pronounce commando commando. <laughs> well, no, but you don't. You don't say don't. You say don't. I'm using no, the, yeah, I'm know, using but... the language here. Okay. I'm using the way that we pronounce it for purely. Is it the way Arnie puns. would say it? Commandant. 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 <laughs> um, okay, go for it. Your time starts now. John Matrix is dead. Jenny discovers that her father has died in a road collision and his scorched body has been recovered and identified using his DNA. Now a cop, after training to be a US Navy SEAL but deciding that was a little too close to home, she finds herself weirdly shut out of the details of her father's passing. The chief inspector tells her it is for her own good. As the stress and frustration of being shut out increases, she decides to break into the terminal to discover that there was some US government involvement and that they sent the DNA data, with a sudden warning popping up on the screen that it warns her not to investigate further. This doesn't sound good. That night, she's at home, digging more into the US government involvement in different cover-ups, and then suddenly her apartment is raided by masked assailants. There's a fight, and tussling, and grabbing, and pinching, and she finally escapes just, just about with a wallet of one of the men. It turns out he's a bloody US government agent. Alone and unarmed, she makes some calls to some of her old squaddies in training who also left the regime for finding different reasons that they didn't like it and whatever, we can add that in script. And the four get together and they basically set out to protect Jenny. The group keeps digging because they've all got like contacts and special powers and not special powers. They're all like really good with computers and stuff. Uh, and they discover constant references to something called the Patriarch. This seems to be the target uh, and they keep and they kind of trace the Patriarch to some experimental training facility in the Mojave Desert. So off to Vegas they go. As they land, cue a massive action scene and through the Vegas Strip. Um, and again, they're all kind of being chased by a load of master assailants. And finally, they get up on top of a hotel and they escape again, just about on a chopper. But of course, not before one of the four, one of the squads sacrifices themselves so that the others can escape, because that is a reminder of the danger they're facing. They fly out to the compound with relative ease somehow. Uh, and they've got a load of stolen weapons from all the men that they killed and took down uh, climbing up the hotel and God knows where else. Uh, and they assault the base in full stealth mode. Like They go back to their US Navy SEAL training and suddenly they're like covert ops. Uh, so they sneak in. Massively long fucking scene where they're just silently taking down people left, right and centre. And they work their way to the command centre and Jenny discovers a horrific truth. Her father is still alive. And he is heading up an operation for the government. He fucking lied to her. As she goes to confront her father, the three are ambushed and all taken captive. They are brought in front of Matrix, who he is the patriarch. He's also completely emotionless. Jenny lets all of her emotions out, screaming and cursing her father. And he silently listens without any flinching. When she breaks down and begins to sob, he turns his attention to the other squaddies. You shouldn't have done this, rookies. I'm sorry she brought you into this. <laughs> and he shoots them both. Uh, he then approaches his daughter and says the same kind of thing and shoots her in the chest and they all appear dead. 
Snap cut to her waking up in a locked room with the bodies of her squaddies. Suddenly they stir and she freaks out. She's like, oh my god, they're all, I thought they were dead. Um, they all took a shot from Matrix, but none of them, like, they were all in non-fatal areas. So one's in the arm, one's in the leg or in the toe or something. Um, Matrix appears in the doorway telling them, get on your feet. He offers the wry smile to Jenny and basically reveals like this bag full of fucking amazing weapons. He explains that he had to feign his death as there's an imminent threat from a rebellious right-wing group uh, in like the southern states and they're building perhaps a military coup to take over the White House. I, I don't know. There's a load of exposition <laughs> and the squad move out with Matrix <laughs> and basically they escape <laughs> using knowledge and expertise and now they're all on the run. The end, sequel, trilogy pitch. <laughs> Strong end, as 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 <laughs> as usual, Matt. Uh, strong end. Well, you cut it. You, we basically have to keep it to a page now, and I'd pretty much done a page at the end of Act One. So I was like, "Well, we're gonna have to squeeze the rest of the movie into four sentences." So there you have it. <laughs> uh, all right. I feel like Can it captures explain? the action comedy vibe that the first one clearly set out for. <laughs> Can you explain to me what the what your because as you always do to me, where I explain chase scenes, uh, can you explain to me what the action scene is on the strip? Nope. Why is there... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can. Sorry. Wait to the film. So, yeah, so what? Who who's attacking them on the strip? Um. So this or is the US government on the strip? again. She grabs the wallet to indicate that she's actually... Uh, the government are hunting her because she's getting too close. Um, so they're waiting in Vegas. They know that they're going to be flying in. Because they've been, they've tagged a phone, they've tapped a phone, so they've heard everything, and they just know they're, okay. they're the U.S. government. So that's good. I just wanted to clarify who was attacking. So it's the U.S. government track them to the the strip. Yeah, fuck yeah. How cool is that? <laughs> I know. I mean, firstly, I, I mean, I won't go. Why are they on the strip anyway? If they know that the the base is, if they know this. This, this They've had a long flight. In... They needed a hotel and let off some steam in the casinos. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough to have, play some craps, you know. Uh, cool. Um, is this? Did you take any inspiration from real world events? Uh, you know, taking place in America and the coup of the presidency, <laughs> maybe the storming of the um, <laughs> the capital. yeah the Capitol building. Is that is that what you were echoing, or I don't know did you what take you mean. any? I would never dream of echoing sentiments of <laughs> foreign politics uh, in my pitches. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I feel like it's just I, I don't know. I, I don't know American politics and what's happening over there at the moment, but I imagine if it was happening, it'd be pretty fucking scary, and uh, they might need yeah. the expertise of someone who can kill seventy-four men with an LMG. So they have to hide him and keep him a secret. Very nice. Um, very bold not to have Arnie in it uh, until the end, mm -hmm. um, the end of the movie. Do you think that it's going to be able to hold and capture the audience without him in it? Oh, I absolutely know it because the third movie, because this is clearly a trilogy pitch, <laughs> the third movie is going to be him God. and his daughter side by side with LMGs just <laughs> in their way through the rebellious right wing and probably the US government and they end up moving nice. to Alaska. <laughs> nice. I like that you've thought about the third <laughs> film as well in that five seconds. Uh, <laughs> so could you tell me 
what Matrix is doing in this movie. Is he working for the government undercover in this patriarch, uh, like, thing? This gang? Yeah. Absolutely. He's He is the patriarch. He, like the, he, They were so fucking impressed with what he did in the first movie that they were like, we've got to get him in, but we've got to keep him a secret. He's like their secret weapon, and he's training a bunch of others and... I don't know, there's probably some super serum that absolutely isn't stolen from Captain America that he's helping them with <laughs> and shit like that. I don't know. I didn't think as far as what he was actually doing there. I just wanted him to be dead and then alive at the end. <laughs> good, good. I'm glad you thought about this movie. Yeah. Uh, I feel like <laughs> thank I, you, Matt. I, I, found, I found the pitch for you. You can fill in the details. I've just brought you... <laughs> The flagship pitch, like this is your right. movie. You make it just, just now, please. Okay. Just a little uh, background into what we talk about about the podcast. We were like, oh, we should probably cut down the pitches a little bit to like a page. And like Matt's like, all right, fine, I'll do a page then. <laughs> but that, if that means that I have to just rush it, then whatever, you know. And now, now he's sulking. All right, all right, audience, he's sulking. I still find uh, Acton the most important act of every movie, which is why it usually takes up the page, and then I will fill out the rest of my. <laughs> movie in four lines <laughs> on the day it's <laughs> yeah anyway thank you matt thank, thank you for you. some good right. questions because now i know that i've managed to pad out what was just a page before yeah you have um <laughs> i'm glad to have helped uh so now last but not least drew what is your uh sequel for commando called uh mine is called commando back again nice like commando colon back again yeah Cool. Your time starts now. Uh, so we open in a New York subway, uh, subway car underground, sort of normal commuting day. Um, and suddenly the carriage just begins to fill with like green noxious gas. And a load of commuters in New York die horribly in this subway car. Cut to um, night in a forest and there's a squad of soldiers um, it's Chris Hemsworth and his older brother Luke Hemsworth uh, leading a bunch of soldiers through the woods they've all got like NVGs on they're all talking they're kind of charming um, but they're clearly nervous and they're coming up on this house in the woods and they're talking like they we need to go in and get the target and it comes across like they're trying to get the person responsible for the gas attack and they go in, they start sort of clearing corners, looking around, they destroy the security camera system and everything like that. And then they start getting picked off one by one by this like awful force from the shadows and they're being brutally killed, like having their like necks snapped and like arms ripped off and being stabbed through the face and horrible stuff. Eventually they manage to overpower the target and the target is Arnie. Um, and Luke and Liam Hemsworth sort of knock him down and you have the thing where looking over him and going and and say something a bit sinister and put a hood on him and then you get the title commando back again um we then see jenny i I want Alyssa moano to come back the backstory is she set up a like private investigation private security company um using the karate training that we saw arnie give her for five seconds at the beginning of the first film um (laughs) She shows up at Arnie's house and it's all cordoned off um, and she sort of called the police in. They're all investigating and they find a load of evidence that Arnie um, did this gas attack. And she's like, no, I don't believe it. She goes to a contact in the police, but they're like, no, look, all the evidence points to him. But she's like, no, I know he didn't do it. 
Um, and so she sneaks back, sort of does a, a nice stealth sneaking scene back into the house, past the police guards, past the military guard, because he's ex-military, and gets in. And because she knows her father so well, she manages to find his, like, hidden hard drives with corrupted security data on it that was damaged by the EMP that took out the system. And so she goes to her son who works with her and he's like her tech expert and he manages to get like one single frame of a logo and like a bit of someone's face and they do lots of detective work and they find this dude and she's tailing him. They find out he knows something and they get into a big fight on like a freeway overpass and they're fighting between cars and then she in self-defense like kicks him off the bridge and he gets killed by a lorry. Um, and so they have no leads. Um, but because Grandad's missing, they decide what they need to do is they need to break into the NYPD and investigate the evidence from the first gas attack to get more clues. But they need help. They need the daughter who joined the military following in her grandfather's footsteps. Um, and the mother's been estranged from her because she was like, never join the military. It kept my father away from me for so long. That's why I didn't go into the military. And But the, but the daughter did. And so they reconcile to help Grandad, but fuck you otherwise. And so... The, the son is, like, helping hack them into the NYPD, and they sneak in. Um, they get to the evidence room, they start taking the evidence, and then the bad guys show up coming to do the same thing to steal it. So they have a big shootout, they're being hunted by the police, and, like, a big car chase over New York as they're trying not to kill police and trying to kill and not be killed by the bad guys. Um, we then cut back to the Hemsworths, and we discover that they are the sons of Bennett. <laughs> from the first film oh! and they're like we were really young when you killed our father but our mother told us that he was kicked out of the military for having too much bloodlust and it turns out it runs in the family and they're like <laughs> crazy and they have this big plan they've been backed by one of america's many enemies to plant these um plant these gas bombs all over the states and they've been like as an added bonus we're going to pin it all on you and destroy your reputation you're going to sit in this cell and watch your reputation crumble and watch innocents die and then we're going to shoot you in the face um and then they're watching the news and you, they see two bombs being found and Arnie's like ha you're incompetent they have found them already and they're like we we wanted them to find those two they're covered with evidence that you did this but they won't find the other five um, we then go back to mum and the two grandkids and they investigate the bomb and they work out where the warehouse is that it was made and like where components were shipped to and all that kind of stuff. And that's where Arnie's being kept. So you have a really cool like infiltration. And like I said earlier, I want John Wick style proper tactical, like crunchy, violent action as they're taking people down quietly. Then obviously shit goes wrong. It all gets it all gets a bit much. The son gets shot in the leg because he's not a combat person and like he's doing the best he can but he gets really damaged but they managed to free arnie um and and Alyssa milano is like kids she says to her daughter take your brother you need to take the detonator you have to go and wire it into the nearest cell phone tower to send the broadcast to disarm the other five bombs and so the kids run off to do that and they're being chased and Alyssa milano and arnie stay to fight chris and luke hemsworth the kids make it and disarm the bombs and then um, Arnie and Alyssa Milano uh, are in the chamber where they were testing the gas and they were testing it on like homeless people and there's loads of bodies and then they're just like they're, they're fighting they get the two baddies in front of the chamber and then they kick them both in and Arnie goes 
well, you might be able to get out. But then Alyssa Milano goes, but don't hold your breath. And they slam the door and turn on the gas. And the baddies die. And they've saved the country. And they clear his name. And that's the end of the movie. Very I nice. That. I like that. Yeah, good end. But don't um, hold your breath. <laughs> so I'll go through your questions quite quick. Because they're coming up. This is a long so episode. I flipped my keyboard at the end. <laughs> nice. Uh, the opening seems a bit dark um, with the murder of loads of civilians. Do you think that is a bit too dark for a um, for an Arnie action movie? I, 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 I think you need to up the stakes. The, fir- the first one is quite a personal film, mm-hmm. but I didn't want it to be... I didn't want it to be as small as the first one. I want it to feel like an escalation and that felt like the best way to do it. Okay. Do you... You don't uh, seem to have much of Arnie uh, in your movie um, as far as I, I am aware. Is this true? Do you think that's, again, same point as Matt? Do you think that is going to be a detriment to the movie? So thinking... So Ar- Arnie's 74... Yeah. Um. And I, I, I'm sure that he could still do. I'm sure with modern technology, he could do some fairly convincing stuff. But I, I, I can't see him pulling off the s the the um choreo- choreography like aesthetics that I would want for this film. I want that middle scene where you cut back to them and you learn what the actual plan is to be quite lengthy and have him being cocky and yeah. like have like have that be a good discussion section and of course when they free him when they do manage to break him out he is like the one who turns the tide mm-hmm. he's the one who like pulls them all together and he's being like the captain america of the group and ordering what them what to do and taking down loads of people um so hopefully there would there would hopefully be enough footage to put him in the trailers to get people in <laughs> and okay. hopefully the big fight at the end would still leave People would leave the cinema satisfied, even if he hadn't been in it lots. Do you think the Hemsworths will be good as villains in your movie? Mate, I, so I originally came to it because I was like, right, I want Australians. And if, you, <laughs> and if you've seen Extraction on Netflix, Chris Hemsworth actually using his own accent is is it's quite incongruous but i was like yeah it's got to be chris hemsworth and then i remembered that luke hemsworth is slightly older and the timeline lines up because bennett was killed in 85 and luke was born in 1980 chris hemsworth 83 so they'd both be born you can't there's no nitpicks on that (laughs) yeah but honestly the, the main thing was the reveal that i wanted the soldiers in the woods i wanted people to think that they were going to be the heroes of the film and then you realize they're the baddies. So at the beginning, it seems like, oh, God, has Arnie gone off the rails? And these guys have captured him. And then it turns out they're bad. But I think they could definitely pull it off. Yeah. Like Good. Chris Hemsworth is is really talented. He's just incredibly handsome and charming. So he's always getting cast as good guys. I reckon yeah. he could definitely pull it off. Uh, and then leads me on to my last question. Do you think, uh, is the sort of Chenny uh, story, is that Chenny. Chenny, is, um, <laughs> is that the sort of main story and then they just have a cut, uh, it just cuts back to Arnie? Oh, yeah, yeah, capture. it is, it is, it's Alyssa Milano's film and her two, I'm seeing, I, I, um, is it Alexandria Daddario? Um, who played the Rock's daughter in San Andreas? Yeah. Um, as the girl who joined the military, um, for the brother, like 
uh, I wanted someone with not like Michael Sarah energy. Like I'd still want him to look capable, kind of like a younger version of Jack Quaid from The Boys. That kind of vibe. Um, okay. But yeah, but regardless, anyway, I'm, I wasn't. That wasn't your question. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's it is definitely Alyssa Milano's film. It is definitely Jenny and the kids' film more than it is Arnie's. In in the same way that the first film, Jenny is barely in it. Yeah. Um, it, it's kind of the same thing, but Arnie will have a bit more to say, at least. Okay. I've um, I've heard all of your... I've asked all your questions. Now, it, this gives you the opportunity to tell me why that you should win this week's episode um, of uh, Sequel Pitch. So, the floor is yours to tell me why you think you should win. And also berate other peoples if you want. <laughs> I'm not going first. I fucked myself in the ass last time by uh, going first and being nice to you all, so I'm going to sit back and wait my turn this I'll, time. I'll, I'll go first. I, I will accept that because I got my pitch in the absolute, like, down-to-the-wire latest. So I, I think mine follows on best um, from the first film, sort of thematically. It makes sense. Jenny has seen Arnie not join the military um, and do that for his family. So I think it makes more sense that she wouldn't in mind, but she'd still look up to him and respect him for who he is. And that's why she starts a private security and private investigation firm. It's The first film is about family bonds and mine has three generations in it it ties in the kids of bennett from the first film i think mine makes the most sense as well maybe <laughs> um and i'm yeah I'm, and i think that my opening se- opening sequence with in the in the woods and with the fight in the house and arnie being a literal like horror movie monster killing soldiers would be super fucking cool matt you said bullshit to him saying that yours is not uh Yours is, doesn't make makes sense. sense. Yeah, mine makes most sense naturally because I told you everything <laughs> and it was so clear. Um, yeah. like at the end of the day, <laughs> yeah, so okay, convincing. So he's got a female protagonist. I have one too. Right, my story is about Jenny as well. Whoop de doo. Um, I'm not using sexy Australians <laughs> to sell my movie. Right, cool. Right, if you want to just bring Chris Hemsworth in because it's What's like your problem the hottest with Australians? thing in the world. I have no problem with it. I'm just like you're just using that. You're just selling your movie on sex because you're going to have two of the Hemsworth brothers in it. So that's the only way you're going to get people watching it. Um, yeah. I, I, mine, mine's just obviously the most fun. I, I, I even dare to kill the the legendary John Matrix. Well, he's not actually no, dead. You don't. But yeah, no, but for ages they think he is. So. Uh, it's a fake yeah. out that no one, no, that's <laughs> no one will be surprised no, by. Everyone will be surprised by it. That's a load of shit. Right. This man is full of suspense and full of lefts and rights and turns. Um, Andy's is just like, oh, I killed a daughter. Oh, but she's not dead because he clearly read mine and stole my idea, but did it with the daughter instead. Um, and yeah, like mine's just the best, full stop. No one can prove me otherwise. Go on in, Andy. Uh, so I didn't copy Matt's. Obviously, why would I? It's, it's, it's just awful. <laughs> he, he didn't. He, he didn't even have. He didn't even have enough to convince us that he like he put enough effort in. No, mine is closest to the film. Like theme wise, it's actually got Arnie in like all the film, while the other two only have him in like ten percent. The insurance um, is going to be a, expensive. On I don't that get. Movie. I don't. I, mm. <laughs> it's fine. I can afford it. 
Um, I don't yeah. know that Arnie I, I, I wants just... to be pretending to fight people hanging from a parachute for 12 <laughs> hours a day over a shoot at the age of 74. He would love it. He would just go around bopping them all in the nose <laughs> and then he'd just take a lunch and have a cigar. <laughs> um, okay, all right. It sounds like you've come to a natural end to your, to your debate. <laughs> I like it. I think I've made my decision. Um, Andy is alike. I like yours because uh, I like your that you've got Arnie in it uh, for the majority of the movie. Um, Matt, I like yours because um, I like that it it f- like it uh, it focuses on um, finding it finding it hard to find stuff you like. <laughs> no, I, I know you. Ha- I know you have to say something. Because but... Arnie's in it, he didn't actually say anything about a good movie. I <laughs> well, think. that's the whole point in an Arnie sequel is to have Arnie in the sequel. So. <laughs> Wait, hold on. I gotta remember what yours, all yours have. Right. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I'm still getting used to this one-page thing, listeners. Um, I promise I'll come back with <laughs> some inside-out Oscar-worthy pictures again in future episodes. Because we all know I should have won that one. I'm just filling space for Ross while he finds something good to say about my movie. You don't pitch. have to, because it will just cut. We'll just cut it. Um, <laughs> hold on, because I'm just had a brain fart about all your like i hate this bit because i have to pick like, when there's that much fucking each. good stuff in your movie that's what happens like it's just like oh i just i have so many good ideas that i just can't pick so the many to pick do. from yeah which one? Oh. right yes that's what it is i was wondering if it was yours with was with jenny um matt I, I like that you uh have a journey with jenny in this one um and that you and you have a sort of through line with her trying to discover if her father's actually dead or not i think that's quite cool uh drew i really like the fact that you used the hemsworth in this and um, f- and focus on that whole um bennett's son um son's thing and it's like a revenge thing and i really like the fact that they they want to frame um arnie for all these deaths and i think that's a cool concept however there can be only one winner and this week's winner of episode 12 of sequel pitch commando is andy henry now andy andy has picked and has done a sequel that is the most true to a ridiculous (laughs) movie and i like the fact that it's it's Mine got has Arnie. a giant car chase through New York. Yeah, yours hasn't got Arnie in it. Yeah, yes, I, it does. And and the core he has of it, the coolest action scenes in the whole film. People, I would want to see a film where Arnie is in the majority of the film, whether he's stumbling around, walking around. <laughs> Just the same reason I'm going to see Indiana Jones 5. I want to see Harrison Ford with the whip and the fedora, just like I want to see um, I want to see Arnold Schwarzenegger with a gun shooting people. And I think Andy is a well-deserved winner of this week's episode. Well done. Okay, Andy, what, are, what movie are we going to do next week? We're going to do a follow-up to the comedy role models. Oh my oh, god! Everyone's oh, no. funny bones. Surely, the- no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Another movie yeah. that we all thought was good when we were at university and now will not hold up. So, episode thirteen, we are doing role models. 
Now, uh, just before you go, we'd really love to hear from you. Tell us your ideas for Commando 2. Even if it's just one line, if it's just a li- literally like Matt's, like if you just want to write Act 1 and then just send it to us. You can tweet us, Facebook us, Instagram message us, whatever. We'd love to hear from you. If you like Sequel Pitch, then please give us a review on iTunes. It would really help us grow. That'd be really great. So, all that's left is to say goodbye. So, it's goodbye from me. Goodbye. Uh, it's goodbye from Matt. I'll be back. Nice. It's goodbye from Drew Toynbee. Start paddling. And this week's winner, Andy Henry. Oh, I can't do an Arnie accent, so I'll just say, yay, I won. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye.